0: Promotional consideration for Growing Greater Philadelphia provided by Citizens Bank and KPMG. This is the Growing Greater Philadelphia podcast, bringing you more of the interviews and stories from the Growing Greater Philadelphia radio program. Now, here's Matt Cabry. In 2017, the first modern port constructed in over 50 years took place right here in Greater Philadelphia, in Paulsboro, Gloucester County. And joining us today is John Berzicelli of the Gloucester County Improvement Authority. John, welcome, and thanks for taking time out to be with us to tell us a little bit more
1: about what's happening in Paulsboro and the new port there. First of all, I'm I'm happy to be here, and it's a topic that's easy to talk about. And I always remind people that although this port is in Paulsboro, this is a real regional project. This is something that's important to the Delaware Valley as we continue to reconnect with the world. And the Delaware River is a global highway, and that's what gets us out to these world markets and brings goods in and sends goods out. So this investment on the part of the people in New Jersey is well-placed. I know as a native to Southern New Jersey
0: and the greater Philadelphia community, jobs are really important to you. Talk with us a little bit about how the job impact will roll because of this uh, new advancement at the
1: Port of Paulsboro. Well, jobs are everything. And with my other hat on and, you know, in the political world, we always are reminded what Adelaide Stevenson once said, which was the best social program is a job. So in a case of a deep water port, the jobs that are created there are jobs that a person can raise a family, sustain a family on. So to give you an example, I mean, I would tell you in phase, because we're really just completed phase one of this facility, which is an 850-foot-length wharf. And during that period of time, I mean, there are probably 350,000 hours worth of labor into that for the trades. And now the present tenant of the port, which is doing very well, moving a lot of cargo in and out, probably 100, 150 people go to work there on days that the ships are calling. So as this continues to evolve, those jobs are good jobs, and they're real jobs and people can live with those jobs. Talk with us a
0: little bit about some of the types of jobs, because there's a series of jobs that are oriented to creating the port, and then there's a series of jobs that are operating the port.
1: Well, you really just summed it up. I mean, you know, the craftsmen that build the port, you know, they are carpenters. They are people that build the frames where the cement is poured to do the pile caps. There are people that drive the piles. There are people that weld. So it's all those crafts and the people that drive trucks that bring the cement to the various aggregate materials. So it's a full range. It feeds a lot of people while it's being built. And then after it's operational, it will feed people for decades. And the residual outflow of how that port touches the economy Those jobs have to be measured as well, and they're important. Creating
0: an idea, or I should say taking an idea from kind of concept to reality that is really defined as the creation of the Paulsboro Marine Terminal takes a lot of courage, takes a lot of vision, takes a lot of collaboration. Talk with us about how that happened across the community of Southern New Jersey.
1: It's really a good story. Uh, the idea was born, frankly, out of desperation. I had recently been seated as mayor of Paulsborough in 1996, and BP, which then had a tank terminal on site, had announced that there was no need for that capacity and they were going to retire the terminal. Same time the announcement is made, we had... Byproducts of what was in the tanks bubbling up into some people's basements in the nearby neighborhood. So we had a major environmental issue that occurred. And BP at the time, represented by a man by the name of Steve Powsey, was simply magnificent in their response. They were good with neighbors, the environmental cleanup was addressed immediately. And as the tank farm was being decommissioned, uh, myself, others, uh, now Senate President Steve Sweeney, our governing body, floated the idea of maybe this could be redeveloped as a deep water port. So we then moved with a man by the name of Joe Balzano, who, may his soul rest in peace, was the executive director of the South Jersey Port Corporation for the longest time, frankly, from its inception. He came to the site and, with a little bit of due diligence, said, you know what, yeah, this could work. BP underwrote the study to determine if, in fact, there would be enough commerce and a port made sense here. partnership developed between a firm that had issues with pollution was closing a facility, only 50 jobs there because it was just a tank farm, 160 acres of tank farm, now stepped in and said, you know what, we like this idea. We're going to help you see if you can get it done. So their seed money to do all the study of whether or not a port could be viable then led us to a position of saying, yes, it could happen. And BP eventually tore the tanks down. This is over a three- or four-year period. And then myself and Steve Sweeney, who was Freeholder Director at the time, suddenly found ourselves in the New Jersey State Legislature and Steve, who eventually became Senate President, myself, Deputy Speaker, we were able to persuade the state that this, in fact, was a regional project that made sense. And this would be a good place for the state to make an infrastructure investment and to develop a port. That's sort of a, a shortening of a very long story. But the environmental cleanup continues way underground. And um, we ended up having to acquire some property. The old Dow Chemical site was an acid plant. Dow Chemical originally participated and helped doing the, uh, the feasibility study Were supposed to give us the ground they reneged when they realized it was going to happen. So we had to go borrow a million and a half dollars or a million point three to buy it, which we did, and marry that property. And uh, eventually, and Steve was the real heavyweight. Steve Sweeney was the real heavyweight in working through the money stuff. The state borrowed money, and all we went to the development of the port. It's the way things get done. A lot of cooperation.
0: Yeah. And it also happens over time. You had referenced... And what I really wanted to delve into next is this is a phased project. So phase one kicked off and you're continuing to work towards what's coming next with phase two. If
1: you could talk a little bit about that phase one, phase two kind of transition. I can, because phase two speaks of where the real future is. Having the wharf at only 850 feet, which if you were to look at it, it seems very large, but it can dock really just one ship at a time. And ships don't move like trucks across the highway. It's not always a certainty. Its arrival can be a day late, two days late. So you can't just book it and say, you know, you're here Monday to Tuesday, and then the next guy's coming in Wednesday. It doesn't work like that. So we need bigger and more wharfage. So the intention was always to be three times that size. So the case has been made that the business demand is there, and the state of New Jersey is now borrowed probably in the neighborhood of about $174 million that will complete and build the port out and we expect to be on the street bidding that job, I would say, April, May of this year with the idea of driving piles in July and August. And that'll take a, probably a year, year and a half, two years to build. So there'll be two more wharfs plus an additional barge wharf on the mouth of the Mantua Creek. And that'll allow this 160, 170 acres, give or take, to be fully productive because you'll be able to dock multiple ships at one time. And what's the timeline for phase two? Is it over a, a five, eight year period? It won't take that long. With the day we start driving piles, realistically, it's eighteen months to twenty four months, depending on weather. Because interestingly we all get an education in these things, you know, who builds a port every day. But we have to be very, very cognizant of fish, for example, sturgeon. Been around forever. So there are periods of time where you can't drive piles into the river because you'll disturb the fish as they're migrating. The shad move up at a given point in the year. So there are certain windows of time where you can't be driving piles. So all that has to be carefully coordinated. Sometimes that can cost some time and, and cause delays. But that's all worked into the plan. So figure figured the first day we're driving piles, 18 months to two years, additional ships are docking.
0: Phase one is up and running. Talk with us a little bit about what's happening there now. What kind of materials
1: are being imported or exported from uh, the port in Paulsboro? I can tell you the day the first ship arrived, it was a windy, blustery day. Uh, We gathered on the wharf for the official ribbon cutting, and the ship blocked the wind from all the dignitaries and townspeople that were there. And the first ship began to unload what are steel slaps. They're brought into this country. I mean, we would all prefer that steel was started and everything was finished in one place. That's not the world today. So these steel slabs come from other parts of the world. They are placed onto what are called unit trains. We have three miles of track on the port site alone, so this stuff can move out seamlessly. In fact, we're about to do some major upgrades in rail in town to take rail traffic out of town and get it directly onto the main line. So these steel slabs travel from Paulsboro, New Jersey, out to western Pennsylvania, out to Indiana. And they are remelted in plants that hire and work American good-paying union jobs to turn this raw steel into goods that go into our economy. So this is truly
0: a global operation. We have material coming in from around the world through the gateway of the port of Paulsboro, Gloucester County, New Jersey, and across the country into different production uses and ultimately into homes and buildings and places of business.
1: Going on every day, Matt, and uh, even up and down the river, you see the state of Pennsylvania, city of Philadelphia, you're talking about upgrading facilities on the Philadelphia side. That complements everything we're doing. You know, we don't look at that as competition. We look at that as being healthy because the more robust activity that occurs, everybody benefits. So this economy is driven. And frankly, the port of New York, New Jersey is at capacity. They can't handle anymore. So our competition really goes south to Baltimore, goes to Virginia. And we have more things to do in this region, which is upgrading rail so goods can move quicker. Surface stuff with the uh, trucks are good. Paul's report, for example, links directly onto 295, so no truck traffic goes through the municipality at all. We're in a good position as far as being able to move stuff out. But we have to think, we have to think regionally in these matters, and rail's a big deal.
0: We're all one big neighborhood, is how we'd like to position it at Select Greater Philadelphia, delivering today the growing Greater Philadelphia program. If you could, John Berzicelli, Gloucester County Improvement Authority, talking with you about the Paulsboro Port. Talk with us a little bit more about the deepening of the Delaware River, because that is a a milestone
1: moment that's allowing additional growth. It's a very interesting topic for me, because there was a time where myself then Senate President Sweeney and others were not favorable to dredging. Because initially, when it was discussed, our refineries didn't need the depth because the ship that they could get up to Delaware, because of limitations of the bridge height and other things, moving to the new depth was not very exciting for people. Our position has since changed on that. Because, again, as I mentioned, capacity issues out of New York, New Jersey. So the, the deepening seems like it's going to help. Paul's Port was planned on the original depth, but is also designed to handle the new depth so these wharfs that are being built were built in anticipation of the new depth can't hurt so you know there are still limitations on the river because the number of ships that may want to call into Philadelphia can't because they can't get under the Commodore Barry Bridge for example or can't get under the uh, Delaware Memorial Bridge or the Ben Franklin so there are some limitations but there are not many So I think the deepening helps. You know, in retrospect, we changed our position because we think it's of now benefit.
0: That's great. And more competitive to go from 40 to 45 feet and allows for some flexibility.
1: Yeah. All of it contributes. And also, too, it ended up being proven that from an environmental standpoint, it could be done safely. Because there was some original concern that if we dug the river incorrectly to grab that extra five feet, that not only would sediment be stirred up, but there was a chance that it could open up the aquifer. And many of our municipalities on both sides of the river count on that. So if you dump the bottom of the river into the aquifer, as opposed to having several feet of filter, maybe not so good things happen. That's borne out not to be true, at least not to this point. So we're going to take advantage of the deepening to our advantage, collectively, both sides of the river.
0: We were talking earlier about um, access, proximity. You had referenced you know, access to highways, and I saw we have three Class One railroad service into southern New Jersey as well, into the port. Talk with us a little bit about the importance of that kind of transportation infrastructure and the access and proximity to not only the U.S., but to Europe and Asia and other markets that allow us to partner with customers who want to do import export types of activity.
1: Matt, rail is a lifeblood. You know, I would tell you that there are people that complain about the rail service that reaches us. It's generally one run provider. There's not competition. Rail can do much better and need to do much better. And it's a little bit hard because frankly they're a monopoly. They have no competition. But whether you talk to a refinery or the guys that are moving shipping containers or people are trying to move cars, they're all held hostage. There's only one train. Locomotives may look like they're a different color, but it's really one operation. So although I think we have adequate service, we need better service. On the New Jersey side, we need to be able to move trains seamlessly from north to south. We can't because over the years, the railroad didn't invest in infrastructure. So we have places where the rail goes under overpasses that are not high enough to move modern freight. I mean, there was a recent major investment in Delaware Bridge, which Amtrak crosses, that allow a little heavier and higher train to get through. That's helpful. But, you know, you look at these facilities, they're antiquated. That's an issue that uh, elected officials have to tackle. And, you know, at a given point, the railroad influence in Washington is heavy. But that's an industry that, in my opinion, needs to be overhauled because we need better competition. Are they serving us? Well, they're serving us to an extent. But you see the issues with Amtrak, you see the issues with Conrail, you see the concerns of how the Balkan crude was moving, for example, which was important at the time. And that infrastructure was pushed to a breaking point. So there's a lot of work to do there. But the good news is the right-of-ways exist. It's just a matter of money. And this region has always been well-served by rail, and rail is going to be critical going forward. We're going to be successful.
0: No doubt. We have a great infrastructure. To your point, we need to continue to improve it. But with access to highways and rail lines and waterways and airports and even pipelines and uh, wireless connectivity, this infrastructure is really beneficial from a business attraction and a business positioning perspective. And, And from a bigger picture, John, I'd love for you to share your perspective on you know, the fact that we are very close to Europe and we're very close to South America. We often say that greater Philadelphia through southern New Jersey, through northern Delaware, through southeastern Pennsylvania is a true gateway for businesses into the United States and vice versa. It's easy access. and. I wonder if you see some of that based on where we are located from a proximity perspective. It's easy for customers to
1: access not only the region, but the United States. I think that that's that's a given. I mean, that's what our history is. That's where our legacy reaches back to. This region's always been a gateway. You know, now it's the front door to a lot of consumers. So that's a great value to people. And frankly, it's, it's a friendly place, despite what the fans in Minnesota may think of how we conduct ourselves. So, you know, as people visit from different places that come to speak, for example, to look at this port, to look at the potential of it, they like what they say. And Philadelphia, you know, we say Philadelphia, people first think of city. When I say Philadelphia, I think of the region. We have nothing but good things to sell. And we're often very hard on ourselves. Because we're here every day. So we don't always always see what can be because we always see what is. And there's just nothing but upside. We really don't take a backseat to anyone. But we've got to get in the right frame of mind.
0: Totally agree. We often say one of our benefits is that New York is close to us and that Washington, D.C. is close to us, not the other way around. And to your point, it's all in positioning. We are our own worst enemies at times. We are. Yeah. How about a little bit of the affordability story, John? We often talk about cost of living and cost of doing business and how we stack up to other regions of the country. Again, when we're encouraging a business to establish operations or do business with us in Greater Philadelphia, the affordability component of this is really appealing, and I'd love to hear your perspective on, you know, that concept of It's not only a great place to live and work, but it's an affordable place and a competitive place for companies to establish their operations as opposed to somewhere else in the country
1: or the world. Well, competitive is a good word because Americans are competitive. People in Philadelphia and the Delaware Valley are really competitive. And we have to work harder because from a standpoint of just hourly wages and prevailing rate, you know, we are higher in this older industrialized portion of the country in the northeast You know, we insist and are used to a better standard of living. So for us to be competitive with workers in the Carolinas and pushing down into Texas, we have to work smarter, have to work harder, and have to demonstrate that a person who's going to come here and invest and set up a business is going to get good value for their investment. And, you know, our strong point is our location. Are we going to be a little more expensive in spots? Yeah, you know what? We probably are going to be. Because, again, America's revolution started here You could argue that in part, America's middle class started in these old industrial regions, and we should be striving to make sure there's a middle class and not scrambling to try and make our middle class become part of a world class. So from our standpoint, we have to make the case that it's about location, and you may pay a little more in certain spots, but if everything goes well, you're going to make a little more. There's going to be value to being here. So I think we have to be honest about that. We are a different place than South Carolina, and there's a reason for that.
0: And I think one of the reasons, as you referenced earlier, is um, talent. You know, the history of ports in this region is really uh, significant. And as a result, the talent that we've been able to cultivate as a community is really significant. Are you seeing some of that in
1: southern New Jersey as well? Well, when you speak about ports and talent, I mean, really typical of Philadelphia, it's always a small family. So, you know, if you look at the river, you look at the operators, you know, there aren't 300 names of different operators. These people that run these ports, whether it's the authorities or the families, the whole family, have been around a long time. They know the game and how to conduct themselves. And I think that they, in the, this recent decade and a half, we've collectively stepped up our game, looking for modern techniques, how to handle things, do things better. And I also think that our eyes are open. We know what our competition is. You look at Southern California, look at New Jersey, New York, the port and their operation there. You know, so our advantages is we you know, don't mean to be repetitive. We have location and above all, we have capacity. We have capacity in the Northeast. That's not always a common thing. But by the way, so does Baltimore as Baltimore reinvents itself. And we have to be cognizant of what's going on around us and how we have to structure ourselves to compete. So major investments on both sides of the river because people recognize that the future lies in the river, and our history began with the river. I remind people, the very first piece of land purchased by the federal government on July 7th in 1776 was in Paulsburg, to site Fort Billings, which is where the Billingsport section of Paulsburg takes its name. We were going to recreate the fort back in the 90s until we found out it's now appropriately marked by an oil tank, so we couldn't get the footage to create the fort. But the point is, the Delaware River has played a significant role in our history at numerous junctures in in time. And now, it uh, presents this great opportunity for us to reach the world with with commerce. So, um, I think we're well positioned.
0: Absolutely. I know this is gonna be a little repetitive, but I love the fun fact that we share based on proximity of where we're located in the United States. It's something like uh, 60% of the U.S. population is reachable within one day. Big deal. Huge. So, when a, a company is looking to do business in the United States, using southern New Jersey and southeastern Pennsylvania and northern Delaware as a gateway to do that is really key. And we tout that fun fact uh, frequently in our business attraction work.
1: They're the numbers that count, because there are households, there are consumers, and they're what people talk about so you know the entire northeast which is reachable as you say you know within 100 miles of philadelphia it's less than a day's drive i mean frankly i've driven to boston for a lunch meeting and come back it depends how you think about these things so as i tell people because i make my home in Paulsburg and Paulsburg, you know we as i remind people we're nestled between two oil refineries they say well why are you there i said what do you mean why am i there i'm in center city philadelphia in 15 minutes i'm in atlantic city in 45 minutes if i need to be in new york i'm there in 90 minutes so, you know, that speaks volumes to the value of just the general location. We have to build upon that. We have to work and stand on the assets that are available to us. And we don't owe apology to anyone. We just have to make sure that we make the environment welcoming for people to come here, live here, and do business here.
0: And Paulsboro is a great place to live. Paulsboro, it's a beautiful community.
1: It's an interesting place, I can tell you. It's like a big city in two square miles. I can tell you stories that maybe I couldn't shouldn't tell on the radio. But I was born and raised there, still live there. You know, traveled this country with work and various things, so I've had a good chance to see a lot of different things, but uh, it's still home. And, um, you know, everything goes in cycles, and Paul's burned the port. They're about to have another real good day. Their heyday was in the 50s, and uh, we're back to a new time, thanks to the port.
0: Economic development professionals in southern New Jersey across the region, including some of the port operators, are out there basically shopping greater Philadelphia
1: to the 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 world. All the time.
0: How do you position the Port of Paulsboro? What do you talk about when you talk about southern New Jersey, you know, pretending that you have a a prospect on the line who says, uh, tell me why I should do my operations in in southern New Jersey at the port or, or somewhere else in southern New Jersey?
1: Well, first of all, if they're interested in being in this part of the country, we have capacity ready to serve them. This is speaking strictly of the Port of Paulsboro. So right now, in large part, it's still a blank canvas. Although this one customer has moved probably 25 ships and uh, you know, a million ton of goods through, we have nowhere scratched the surface of the capacity of this facility. So for example, there's renewed discussion about offshore wind which has the potential to do a lot of things, a lot of good things. We have a new governor in New Jersey. He seems favorable to it. We have been positioning this port of Paulsburg over this long time from concept to building that this would be an ideal place for that industry to base for onshore manufacturing issues, onshore maintenance issues, brings big, high-paying jobs, big investment. And there's a potential now that this wind stuff will happen. So the Paulsburg port is ideal because there's no place else on the Delaware River to put it. There's no place in New York to put it. Boston would like to talk about it, but they're sort of squeezed. So we have a big advantage. We have location. Plus, above all, we've got room, and we've got room all across the region, and that's a major selling point. John, you
0: had spoken earlier about um, regional collaboration, and I want to touch on that one more time, because I love the fact that you get it you know, you're native to Southern New Jersey, but you also consider Greater Philadelphia your home. And you've seen that collaboration, frankly, both ways, where folks really want to work together and folks say, you know what, I I don't think this is a good idea for us to embrace this kind of approach. And I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more about the importance of that regional collaboration and how we're stronger together than we are as any one separate county.
1: What you just said is so critical and it doesn't get taken into consideration enough because we tend to we almost like live in a cocoon. I remember Governor McGreevy had just been elected to New Jersey. There was a summit between the governor of Delaware, the mayor of Philadelphia, the Rendell at the time, all sat down in a public meeting. In fact, it was over in Cherry Hill. You may have been there, Matt. It goes back a few years now, obviously. But there was all this talk that we were going to work together as a region and try not to compete with each other. We would try to work together as a region. We have not accomplished that to the extent that I think is really helpful to us and i say from my perch with my other hat serving in state government that we need to get these governors together and decide how we're going to do these incentive programs we need a regional approach in a formal way because you know southern new jersey for example camden city should not be in such harsh competition with the navy yard we need new business as opposed to trying to grab business from one side of the Delaware to the other side, that doesn't help us because that doesn't necessarily always mean new jobs. It just means jobs move. Someone's on the bridge or someone's on the high-speed line going in a different direction. So, you know, the cooperation between the two, between the three, needs to be better, stronger, because, by the way, everybody likes each other. Everyone likes each other. Everyone gets along. But then we sort of go back into these corners because the world seems small. The world's not small. It's big. We need to look outside of the region. For, uh, for the next level of investment into the region. I mean, you see what's happening with Amazon and a great chase for that. So we've got to get smart about things.
0: John Berzicelli, Gloucester County Improvement Authority, New Jersey Assemblyman, and a very proud former mayor of Paulsboro. Thanks
1: for taking time out to join us today. We really appreciate it. Matt, my pleasure. Please uh, you know, continue the good work you're doing because we need positive, positive talk all the time. We've got good things to talk about.